Plunger moves on in, and he scores! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pod Street Bullies. There's nothing else to talk about. That's it. That's the show. Have a great week. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, my name is Derek. I'm John, but who cares? Yeah, I mean, there's Nat here, too. You want to say hi, Nat? No. No, I don't want to <laughs> say hi. I'm the one tasked with the intros, so let's just screw the in- We're done with that. Let's get into some stuff because, dude, what a disappointment. Derek, Good God. You know, it's funny. I feel like we've been having What's a lot of What's funny about this? Well, what is just, funny just about this? Just give me a minute. Just give me a minute, and then you're going to be like, ha-ha. That was funny. I feel like we've been having a lot of conversations at the website just about towing the line between being real and being negative, right? We want to try to present things in a realist point of view, but it's really hard sometimes to not take a negative swing to it. Today, boys, real is negative. (laughs) Let the hate flow. No, maybe not hate, but uh, it's... Disdain, is that the right word? Disdain. Disdain would be a great word, actually. Perfect, Nat. It was just a terrible and putrid effort this past week. We're lucky that the Flyers could salvage three points out of those, what, four games? Two against Buffalo, two against Boston. They got one point from Boston, which should have had more. We got two points from Buffalo, which I still think we should have had more. But, I mean, look at just how these games broke down. You have a 6-1 debacle for the first game against Buffalo, and then you shut them out 3 nothing. So, you know, you salvage something out of that. The Boston series, they completely blew the lead in the first game. Took it, yep. took it to the shootout, at least, but still, you know, they got one point, okay. And then last night, which would be Saturday night, was just... I don't know... Nat, are, do you have the, the, the bleeping ready? I sure do. It was... Sh- like, there's no two ways about it. That game was just doo-doo. Complete doo-doo. Um, Six-to-one loss. God, dude. I don't even, you know, like... I almost feel like last night was just we finally... The past few games, right, there were these signs of just abysmalness. You know, but you could try to grab these little silver linings here or there. And then last night, Saturday night's game, it was just like, nope, this is just 100% suckage. Like, there's nothing positive you can take from this. Like, I even heard in one of the, the post-game interviews with AV, one of the reporters, like, he's, you could tell he's reaching for some sort of silver lining. And he's like, you, you were the better team in face-offs. And it's like, who the f*** cares, man? <laughs> Oh, you lost six to one. Like you if lost. Face, if face-offs were anything, typically the Flyers would be, you know, Stanley Cup champions every year. If the face-offs were everything, Louise. I mean, yeah. if we're really I mean, pulling <laughs> or something, the Flyers are typically one of the best face-off teams in the league. But at last time I checked, those don't count towards the goal output. So. You know, you could lose a game six to one, like Saturday night. But oh man, we won seventy percent of the faceoffs. You want to talk moral victories? I'm not even counting that as a moral victory. Like I don't care. Win on the scoreboard. It'd be be great if the faceoffs then uh, turned into like prolonged possession of the puck. It's the equivalent of saying that leads to scores. It's the equivalent of saying that. 
if hockey was solely played along the boards, Yori Latero would be the best in the league. So, Absolutely. <laughs> can we just, can we, instead of taking these games one at a time, just talk about as a whole? Because I feel like the Flyers peaked their first game of the season against Pittsburgh. It was as if we didn't, nobody knew what to expect of this team. They came out, they showed us amazing things, and then it's all been downhill since there. They, they teased us. They flat out teased us. You know? Like, I feel like you come out the first game like that on fire and you're playing really well. Yes, the, what was it, the first first period, I think they got outplayed a bit. Right. Um, but, you know, to come out and play very well in the second and the third, and then after that, it's like the second game against the Penguins. Okay, well, you know, it, it wasn't the first game. They're not going to dominate every period. And then you come out against, what was it, uh, Buffalo, and you're like, uh, crap, you know, that's the one stinker. Maybe the next game. And then they shut him out, and it's that glimmer of hope. And then comes Boston, and every right. bit of hope you had is gone. Mine is. But Derek, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I don't though, be doom and gloom, but. Ugh. But honestly, though, man, it's like that 3 nothing win against Buffalo. I mean, if Brian Elliott isn't standing on his head, we don't win that game. What was that, 40, 40 save shutout? Yeah. Yeah. You I know, mean, I he mean, he was on fire. Right. I. There is no game where I look at after the first game of the season where I look at and go, we were the better team. Regardless if we won or lost, I can't sit there and go, we were the better team. I don't think we were the better team in the second game against Pittsburgh. I don't think we were the better team in any game against Buffalo. And we sure as hell weren't the better team in any game against Boston. No, absolutely not. I mean... What's the, to me at least, I guess, to kind of move along in this conversation, what's to blame for me? I feel like it's kind of twofold, and I don't want to use this as an excuse. I I, I want to clarify that. But Here the Flyers are missing Sean Couturier. Not saying they would have won all of these games or even an extra game, but they're definitely missing their top center. You know, of that's kind of the one thing. I shouldn't say one thing. That's the minor of the two that I'm bringing up. But the one, and I know you guys will 100% agree with me on, and I feel like it's what the entire fan base is discussing right now. Let me breathe in real quick. The defense is terrible. And to be clear, Derek, <laughs> we're not just talking about the defense from the defenders. No, overall team defense has been putrid it has been so bad you're looking at a team right now that their pk is bottom like they're 28th in the league they account for the third most shots against every game i mean you're giving up so many chances to these other teams you're taking bad penalties and i mean that's i'm more worried about the defense than the penalties but regardless it's not a formula for success, and the Flyers are finding that out the hard way right now. They shouldn't have had to find out the hard way because it should be engraved in their brain. But, Derek, you know, the thing is, you know, how do you mask a poor defense? You possess With the puck. good enough offset. Yeah. You possess the puck, <laughs> and see, that's the problem here. You know, I, I completely agree with you about the defense, but I think the bigger problem is – the inability to maintain any sort of possession. 
because we cannot get any sort of offensive flow. Then you're playing the entire game in the defensive zone. I don't know what they're doing with the puck half the time. These passes that they make, you know, who in their right mind thinks it's a, a good idea to give a cross ice pass in the defensive zone where the puck is going to go in the middle of the ice right in front of Carter Hart for somebody else to intercept. If I had a dollar for every time I watched Eric Gustafson lose the puck in his own skates, I we'd be able to pay our contributors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's so infuriating how you're watching a guy that these, that Chuck Fletcher brought in. And, you know, I was one of the guys that I was kind of excited because, you know, offensive defenseman, we've seen him put up, right. what, 60-something points in Chicago. Oh, maybe he can be a glimmer of what that was that year, you know, Put him with the, with the right guy. We're not seeing any of that, and I feel like you know putting him down on the third pairing is even worse because then you're tasking him with playing with a guy like Braun or even Haig, where that's your shut quote unquote shutdown line. That's supposed right. to be the defensive minded line. That's not Gustafson. That is not Eric Gustafson by any means. Well, again, you know, and I, and I feel like I'm going to keep saying this over and over again just because I feel so strongly about it. His strengths, we cannot play to his strengths if we are not in the offensive zone. If we are not pushing the puck offensively, he is useless. And that's the part of the problem. Before this season started, right, we talked about how there were so many question marks to this defense. Even before Phil Myers gets hurt, we, we said we're not really sure what this defense is. I think we all agreed that it was our weakest link. Well, it's being completely exposed because that's all we do in these games is play defense. Yeah, I, we cannot sustain pressure. You know, and I, I, I try to change my mentality with this, but when I look at some of the players who should be people you can count on and they're making these bonehead plays and they're not the ones and they're the ones making poor decisions it's like what do you expect from everybody else you know when I see somebody like Claude Giroux with the puck and instead of making a simple pass he goes and makes one of those stupid drop passes behind them in the defensive zone it's like if we can't count on you to do these things right, why should we be counting on the newer guys to do so? I feel like at some point there needs to be this, all right, you are proven players in this league. You know what you should and shouldn't do, and I'm sure you can identify the, the changes that you need to make to your individual game. Make them, please. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, Nat, what do you think? What's the biggest – I mean – is the defense the biggest concern of yours so far in this season? Absolutely, 100%. Boston, in their first three games, did not score a 5-on-5 five -five goal. Through their first three games, the only other team that didn't do so were the Dallas Stars. And you know why? Because Dallas hadn't played a game yet. That, <laughs> and of course, of course, they played the Flyers. And, you know, Flyers get that 2-0 lead. The third period happens, and the Flyers give up three five-on-five five goals to the Boston Bruins in that third period alone. That's alarming. That is yep. alarming, gentlemen. I, and, of course, the 6-1 game last night. I don't know how you can justify any of the defensive errors that happened last night when it comes to the Flyers like trying to clear the puck out of their own zone, when it comes to them just trying to gain control of the puck back, when it comes to basically leaving Carter Hart hang out to dry. I mean... I can't, I can't blame Carter Hart a whole bunch. Now, look, his numbers are terrible. 
I mean, up 4.18 goals allowed average right now through the first six games of the season. His save percentage is below 900 right now. I believe it's point. 881 it's something like that but yeah like while his numbers are terrible i mean i can't really blame carter hart a whole lot because his deep the the guys around him that are supposed to help him out he's getting no help whatsoever no right now. Yeah. and you see it because you saw the frustrations boil over after this past game against the bruins where he, it took him seven or eight whacks at the goalpost just to break the stick like i frankly i'm a little concerned that he's not strong enough to break the stick but that's a discussion <laughs> for another time the same thing no, and someone brought that up, I think, on our uh, on the Twitter account as well. But, I mean, think about it. When have we ever seen that type of emotion come from Carter Hart? So right, right then and there should tell you this is concerning. This is something that absolutely needs to be addressed because he's getting no help up front. Absolutely no help. They're Like I said before, they're allowing the third most shots against. They've given up the sixth or sixth most uh, goals against per game they're tied with nashville for that like that's not the trait of a team that we thought we were going to see entering this season we thought this was going to be a decent team i was right. expecting this team to be able to solidly and comfortably make the playoffs i don't see that anymore i just do not see this team capable of making a run to get themselves into playoff contention towards the end of the year well and that's the thing i look at a lot of these problems and I think some of the issues that they have are so remedial. Like, I don't understand how a team in the National Hockey League cannot get clear the puck out of the defensive zone. I don't understand why they... I mean, at this point, just fire the puck acro- along the boards. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, enough with whatever the hell you're doing that's causing all these turnovers and sustained pressure... Just get the damn puck out of the zone. They can't even seem to be able to do that right. And it, it's all these little things where it's like you would think that professional hockey players would be able to do this a little bit better than they are. And it, mm-hmm. and we, you talk about like what to do to fix it. And I can't think of anything. Because at this point, if they're not noticing that this is a big deal, if they're not changing it, I don't know. I don't know what to do because these same problems were prevalent in the postseason last year. This is something that's going to need to be addressed. And the way it's going to be addressed, in my opinion, should be a trade. They should be looking to get a top four defenseman. Now, yes, they are hard to come by. It's not going to be, you know, let's give them Gostas Bear and a second round pick. Like, no, not going to cut it. We're going to have to give up some value. But we're going to have to find a team that wants prospects that wants picks, because do we really want to subtract from the team right now as is? But we need to be able to get rid of some money, too. You're right. So we're still in the same position that we were months ago, right? where we don't want to take on any ridiculous amount of cap. So, you know, again, I still think that it needs to be addressed through a trade, but again, I don't know how it's going to be addressed through a trade if we're not able to give up some type of salary or have that team retain salary. So well, I mean, what's the what's a realistic solution to this? My biggest worry here, Derek, is it's like one player to me is not going to fix this because yes, that makes your defensive unit stronger on paper. But mm-hmm. as we've said, it's the entire team that's having these problems. So you bring in one guy and that's one guy doing it right, but I'm still concerned about every other person that doesn't that can't seem to get their head out of their rectums. But that guy could also have a ripple effect because you see a guy come in and you see him, you know, bust his hump, 
make an impact on this team, whether, you know, it's it transcends the the team or it's just like hey it affects one guy but that's the ripple effect that you need because then a defenseman sees it and they're like oh man he's really busting his butt and i need to you know get mine in gear because if i don't i'm losing my spot in the roster i i i agree with that but at the same time i'm like some of these players you should not need to give them any sort of extra motivation to get their rear ends in gear most i'm getting Absolutely. i think that most I, I'm, get, I'm getting sick and tired of having to be like, what are we going to do to fire this group up? You know, like they should just be fired up, I, you know, and I'm, I know that conversation will be, well, of course, they're playing intense. You know, all the players are playing intense. All right. Well, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing any sort of conviction. I'm not. I'm just seeing a group of players that seems to have just settled into whatever they are. And they're just going out there and diarrheaing all over the ice. It's just incredibly frustrating. I, I don't know how else to put it because we've seen this team play better than they are. Like we know that they're better than this, but nobody knows what it's going to take to get back to that. I mean, you have a guy like Gostaspare on the sidelines, but realistically, how much is he going to help matters? You could easily right. bring back Sam Morin, put him on the blue line, but again, is that going to help matters also? You know, I right. think that's just you've got Phil Myers who's out four to six weeks. You know, you've got Morgan Frost. I mean, he played one game and then his second game he was injured and he was supposed to sub in for Couturier. So yes, the injury bug has bitten us, and yes, it's going to be difficult. You know, until these players are back, but that doesn't mean this team needs to throw in the towel. You know, that, that's no. what it feels like almost. Yeah, I mean. And we are still just, what, five games, six games into the season? I don't even know. I mean, there's plenty of time. It's incredible that they still have a winning record, I mean, at this point. So, you know, you don't want to throw in the towel. Um, I'm hoping that they all have a reality check. But it's like, I don't know, do you think the coaching has anything to do with this? I mean, I've heard some things back and forth that all of a sudden we're just not happy with AV system. Like, after last year was great, now we're just all upset and it's not going to work anymore. Do you think that coaching has anything to do with this? I think Nat's got some opinions on this. Let's let him go here. I need to form my thoughts here. <laughs> I think coaching absolutely has something to do with it because I, it, it's become very clear that a lot of the strategies that Elaine Vigneault used last year, he's trying to incorporate them this year, and it's just not working for this team. And on the flip side of that coin, you know, I think he's trying to incorporate – a new strategy where it's just all about offense. And I think he's trying to abandon some of the defensive mind strategies that he implemented last year. And really like, I think he should be implementing more defensive strategy because that is their weak spot right now. I'm generally a guy where you double down at what you're good at, but the defense is just so glaringly bad right now. I mean, when I, I, I never thought we would come to this where we're comparing Elaine Vigneault's roster right now to Dave Haxtell's defense, and they, I, I see little difference right now in the style of play. I mean, I talked about it this morning with uh, with Tyler Zuli, and he said, you might as well put a traffic cone out there with how the Flyers are playing right now, because at least if you put a traffic cone out there, the defender at least has to juke one way or the other. <laughs> I mean, Gus yeah. said when he, there was, for the fourth goal that Boston scored last night, Eric Gustin, like the puck was literally at his skates and he couldn't find it. He could not find the puck and it was right there. Bergeron pounced, feeds it right, right. over to Marshan, boom, wide open net. 
Nothing Carter Hart could do. Nothing. Because Eric Gustafson couldn't find the puck. I... This one's difficult for me because you could argue that this is a coaching thing. This is something that Vino's style just doesn't fit anymore. But the way I look at it now is that look at last year's roster, and I'm assuming this is the same type of system this year as it was last year because Vino isn't going to change his system just you know from year right. to year. There's only one player on this team that wasn't on it last year when you really think about it, and that's Eric Gustafson. Now, we are missing that Matt Niskanen. I think that is a bigger hole than we initially thought, or at least it's proving to be, I should say. So if you've got guys who are in their second year in Vino's system, and out of all those players, there's only one that isn't or wasn't a part of the system last season, why is it not working to the extent that it did last season. And I'm not saying it was perfect last season. There was there was adjustment periods. There were times where they looked lost like they do right now. But it clicked at the end because they won the last not their nine out of their last ten games of the regular season before the stoppage. So something clearly was clicking and something was working. But now all of a sudden it's like they've never seen this type of system. It's like they've never played in it before. How has it soured so much that we're watching a team out there that we're just like, what in the world is going on? Well, see, and that's the thing. I almost feel like it's this system on top of poor decision-making. I, You know, I think I'm different than the two of you where, like, you guys are just ready to say, like, it's the defense is the biggest problem. Like, I think it's so much bigger than that. I feel like there's just poor decision-making happening at all times. Like, yes, the defense is abysmal. But if you can't figure out that you shouldn't make this pass or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that, to me, that's decision-making. That's not that's not just defense, right? If you can't get the puck into the offensive zone, to me, you're not making the right choices to get systematically get there. So I almost feel like this year, and I think you saw it a little bit more in the postseason, it's as if this team has taken AV's system and they're like, we're going to turn it into and one basketball and we're going to make it something, you know, we're going to make it flashier. And I don't know if this is making any sense, but when I watch the game, it's just like I just see stupid pass after stupid pass or, you know, just the simplest things where it wouldn't matter what system you're playing. If you look like you can't play hockey, you know, it. you could be playing the best system in the world and still suck. And I think another factor with that, John, is that when it comes to the offense, even when they're playing, quote unquote, well, or at least in the sense where you're you're at least making better decisions, the offensive strategies that they're using are as predictable as it gets. When Kevin yep. Hayes scored last night, they kept I mean that line kept trying to make that same play over and over and over again. Kevin Hayes captures the puck in the neutral zone, feeds it over to Voracek along the boards. Voracek tries getting it over to Hayes again, right in, right in front of Tuka Rask and Rask and the Bruins defense were just reading that left and right because all right, it worked once against us. We're not going <laughs> to let it happen again. Right. I mean, and if you think about it, right, you go back to that first Pittsburgh Penguin game and those two power play goals happening the same exact way. It's almost like that sums up the Flyers offense. Like, this is what we're going to do. Even if you figure it out, this is what we're going to do. And obviously, it's not going to keep working. Yeah, it works in the video games. It doesn't work in the NHL. 
Right. What astounds me, too, is that amidst all these problems that we're discussing right now, you're still looking at the division and you're looking at the standings. The Flyers still stand in third place. Now, they're only one point above the Islanders and the Pens, two above Jersey, and then you've got the Rangers and the Sabres at the bottom. But, I mean, first place is Washington with eight points, and the, and the Flyers have seven. So, you know, again, it's early in the season, so it's not something that I'm going to get all worked up on and be like, oh, man, they're still third, you know. But, you know, they kind of gave themselves a bit of a head start by taking the first two against Pittsburgh. So they've almost bought themselves a little bit of time, but at the same rate, if they don't fix it fast, man, it's going to snowball and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And we're going to be looking up at the rest of these teams in the the Mass Mutual East division. Yeah, I mean, I think I could keep going on about things that concern me, but I think another thing that concerned me is, I don't know if you guys caught any of the press conferences last night, but AV was asked a question about just being outplayed, right? Um, And then he Mm -hmm. came back and kind of said, well, in the first period, you know, I actually wouldn't say that we, we were outplayed. And then I remember hearing something, I don't think he said it, I don't might have been a media member or whatever, was saying, you know, well, other teams are are also struggling too. It's not just the Flyers. And it's like I almost feel like we've reached this mentality where it's like we're going to just develop excuses or try to make something sound better than it is. And those things kind of concern me. Like when you when AV is up there, he should be going, "Yeah, we sucked." Like this is a guy who mm-hmm. holds his team accountable in the past. I need him to not try to nitpick and go, "Yeah, you know, I actually think that we played better than we than the uh stats show in the first period because they didn't play well in the first period. I don't know what game he was watching. Plus, like, how do you go from losing 6-1 to one against Buffalo and be embarrassed in that press conference, but you go and lose 6-1 to one to the Bruins and your first time losing consecutive games on the road in 12 months and you lose like that and you go, eh, well, I don't think we got outplayed. Dude, you lost six to one. You got right. beat. You got beat, dude. And in the press conference, the game before that, when they lost in the shootout, like he said, "Oh, we lost in the skills competition." No, you got outplayed in that third period. In fact, you probably got outplayed the first and second period. You coughed up a two-goal lead too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you go yeah. from being embarrassed and now you're just like, "Oh, we just got." It's just like a, one period we get outplayed. Not a big deal. What? Right. You know, and I'm sure. I'm sure he's gonna he'll be different in the locker room, but things like that, like that sense of complacency, where it's almost like we've all of we've already started to be like, well, it isn't as bad as you're making it sound. That kind of stuff really concerns me. At this point in time, I want him to be like, oh no, I was very unhappy with what I saw the entire game, and don't you worry. On the plane ride home, or wherever they took a bus, or they all took their own separate cars, I'm not really sure. Um, we're gonna figure, you know, we're gonna start figuring this out. I don't know. I mean, right now, I'm. I don't want to be like you know everything's on fire, but I'm having a really hard time not having that met- mentality. I mean, we entered this episode here talking about how this is going to be completely negative, and it, it is. I won't lie. Like you know, we're kind of bitten by the the negativity bug here, but at the same rate, you think about it, we're five games, six games. I'm sorry, six games into a 56 game schedule, so. There is still plenty of time left for this team to right the ship, but we're harping on the fact that right now they're making the same mistakes over and over and over again. So what we're seeing is the literal definition of insanity is for not correcting something that you're getting wrong and just 
continuing to do it over and over again. So it's driving us insane watching that unfold before our very eyes. Right. I mean, you know, and I think of it, too, is it's like whenever you reach negative situations, you try to look for that little glimmer of hope. I'm just having Mm -hmm. a hard time finding that in these games. You know, I kept going to myself yesterday. Why do I still have this on? (laughs) Like, there's got to be something else better on. Yeah, I mean, curling would be better. Competitive (laughs) underwater basket weaving would be lovely at that point. I should have gone to bed. My wife and I started watching Atypical, um, the show on Netflix, which I think is great. <laughs> I am. I've finished. Um, I've caught up on Peaky Blinders. You about that show at all? I've never seen it, but I've heard really good things too. So I, I that's one of those shows I need to give a shot. It's it's pretty good, but you have to have the volume up very loud to hear what they're saying. Oh, see, not going to work when our kids in bed. You get to those I've points got where it two gets of really them. loud after being. You can really, make it work. You can make it work. Make I've it got, work. I've got, I've I'll got two kids, out. two of them's. Okay. I got right. kids. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I got kids. <laughs> um, God, I, I loved Heath Slater, um, <laughs> but I think you know. Let's wrap up a little bit of the negativity here. Let's talk about something that really is just kind of neutral. Um, well, you could give a negative spin to it, though. <laughs> Let's discuss this Line A Luke Dubois trade, huh? Yes. All right. Yes. Let's discuss this because these are two names that came up in the rumor mill for the Flyers multiple times. We had seen reports mainly from guys like Pierre Lebrun who brought up how involved the Flyers and the Jets were around the draft and free agency period where – there were some talks, and the asking price was incredibly high. In my opinion, you know, I think it started at Provorov and Konechny, and where it ends, Lord knows. But with this trade, you've got Pierre-Luc Dubois and a third-round pick from Columbus going to Winnipeg for defenseman Jack Roslevic and, obviously, Patrick Laine. So, I don't. maybe I'm in the minority here, but I feel like when the Jets were asking the Flyers... Um, allegedly, for Provorov and Konechny, and then they get Dubois and a third. That seems much lower of an ask <laughs> than what they asked the Flyers. Am I am I in the wrong here in believing that? Well, here, you, you, you have to put a little context to it, though. I mean, honestly, yeah, I think that... be damned. <laughs> like, it's an astronomical... Astronom- it's a big ask. Uh, yeah, but it's a big ask. <laughs> Not to be confused with a big oh, ass. A big ask. Uh, anyway. Yeah, me too. Probably just an hour ago. Anyway, um, where was I going with this? I had the same mindset, right, where it was like, this doesn't seem like the Konechny Provorov Hall. But you got to remember, it was the off season, right? They weren't really in a rush to get rid of this guy. And it was almost like the stars aligned for this trade because you had Line who wanted out in Winnipeg and you had Dubois who wanted out in Columbus. And it was just like, let's do each other a favor and swap them. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know if the Flyers... I struggle with this one because I'm, I'll be honest, I don't really follow Pierre-Luc Dubois' game You know, no, I, much. I don't either. To my knowledge, he's an incredible player, um, but I don't know if the Flyers really had anybody that they were willing to part with of that caliber to get rid of Line. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I mean, 
Yeah, you're right. Because you think about it too, and just talking semantics, when he's coming here to the U.S. from Canada, there's a seven-day quarantine. So like that right there, if you give up a good chunk of your you know, top six or you want to call it just anybody from your roster, you're short a guy or two or maybe even three for seven days. So right then and there, it's like that's, you know, what, three, four games? Right. I mean, in, that, in a shortened season, every game matters more than it has before. And you're giving that guy up for a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois who had – a 61-point season in 18-19, 49 points last year in 70 games. Um, you know, I, I'm i not saying that the guy's not good, obviously. You know, look at what Columbus got in return for him. But maybe just not yet. I don't know. Not to mention, look at the center depth. Are we going to bring a guy like that into fold and then have Couturier, Hayes, Patrick, and then, like, is Dubois going to stay at center or are we going to move Nolan Patrick to the well, wing? How are we going to accommodate that? That was just, to me, that was just Flyer fans uh, being Flyer fans. Like, that that made no sense. Patrick Line made a lot of sense. Pierre-Luc oh, Dubois on the Flyers really didn't. Uh-oh. Unless you're... Uh-oh, what? I lost you. You lost me? You're back. Think, well, look, I'm here. I'm still here. I nearly <laughs> lost you there. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people threw in Couturier's name into a deal like this, like trading Couturier for Dubois, whatever else would move around with it. But then again, it's like you have Dubois, who is, what, 22? 22 years old, I think? Yeah. Uh, is that your top-line center? Are you going to put him in that position to succeed this early in his career? I mean, I'd be all for it if it happened because someone's going to have to fill that hole. But, you know, we're talking about a Selkie winner here in Sean Couturier on the biggest bargain contract in the NHL at this point. You know, I just, man. (laughs) Well, what I want to know is. is so much more appealing. Who's going to play center for Columbus? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, their center depth is completely gone. And you go and get a guy like Line who, listen, I would have taken Patrick Lyonne in a heartbeat. I probably would have given up more for him than some people would have. Like, I was one of those people that would have been fine with getting rid of Konechny. You know, I mean, it was yeah. obviously the added, what else do you put to it? But um, you bring in Lyonne to Columbus with close to no center depth, a guy who doesn't like to play defense, and your coach is John Tortorella. I'm wondering how this relationship is going to work. Like it just, you know, I it does, and then you're gonna have to pay him what ten, eleven million dollars a year at the end of all of this. Jack Roslovic is a center, not a defenseman, so that's my apologies. So, oh really? Yeah, so he'll be one of the centers. For, I thought he uh, was a defenseman too. I think he's a winger. I thought he was too. Oh, I I'm seeing center on Hockey Reference right definitely now. Definitely not also, a goaltender. No, definitely not a goaltender. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm looking just strictly at points right now because, again, I'm, I don't really follow much with the Jets, but that's not going to replace production when it comes to um, Pierre-Luc Dubois. You know, he's got 67 points in 180 games, you know, in a couple seasons. He's the same age. He's 23. I'm sorry. He'll be 24 in a few days here, it looks like. Uh, yeah. center depth is probably going to be a big problem for Columbus. But they have that power on the outside. They've still got Cam Atkinson. They've got now Patrick Laine. You know, they've got some firepower up there. It's just who's going to be dishing them the puck. 
And they're not in our division, so I don't care. Exactly. I don't care about them until we see them in the playoffs, and I, it's not nope. looking good. <laughs> no, <Nope>. yeah. <laughs> For either of us, really. For either of us. No. No, I mean, you think about it, we, we go back to you know the, the trade itself. For the Flyers, we're and sidebar here, I'm really starting to despise the fact that any name that pops up on the rumor mill as available is now becoming a topic of conversation with Flyers fans all the time. It's like the Eagles now, and Nat discussed it in a pop-off or something a, a couple weeks ago. I'm getting so frustrated seeing oh. that because with the Eagles, you know, I'm writing at a website that covered the Eagles, everybody's like, oh my God, we need this guy, we need that guy, we need that guy, we need this guy, let's sign him, let's trade for him. It's not feasible. You can't have everyone. But anyway, it's just frustrating seeing like when this person comes available, the Flyers need to get him. Like, no, we don't need to get him. We absolutely do not need to get him. I agree with you. Not gonna lie, mm-hmm. but I didn't. I didn't hear any of that. You froze, right. so, so I totally agree. To with summarize, you. to summarize here, we're talking about how the Eagles fans on Twitter go nuts when one player becomes available, and it's every player that becomes available. And Flyers Twitter is starting to become Eagles Twitter in that regard, and I'm getting yeah. furious with it. No, I feel like we've been there for a while, buddy, and I just think that's mm-hmm. what they do. I mean, whatever if that's what you're going to do, but just remember. Trades are a lot more complicated than hey the Flyers would be uh, they're available if the Flyers want them they just have to pull the trigger you know it's it's not that easy I don't know I don't pay attention to that chucklehead stuff anymore no what's your take on this Nat with this trade so Line A Watch 2021 being over uh, when it was actually Line A Watch it was nothing but Line A wants out of Winnipeg game after one game in Columbus is going to be. Line A once out of Columbus. <laughs> do either of you see like Line A like as you know a John Tortorella player? I don't. Th- no. Those two personnel. No, those it's gonna be like oil and water. Those two. I do not see like John Tortorella looking at Patrick Line A. Just go. G- I-, I I don't. I just don't see it. It's gonna be cat fights, like fifteen round cat fights each and every single night between the two. Maybe I'm. You know, over exaggerating here, but I mean, Pierre Luc Dubois. I mean, if it gets to the point where he's playing three minutes and fifty-five seconds a game, and he's being benched the entire second period, and this is Pierre Luc Dubois we're talking about, Patrick Laine, oh, he's in. He's going to be in for a rude awakening playing for John Tortorella, and then same thing with Pierre Luc Dubois playing in um in Winnipeg. Because I think Paul Maurice and Tortorella, you're like, yeah, Maurice isn't nearly as outspoken as Tortorella is, but his two sides of the same coin. As much as Pierre-Luc Dubois went out of Columbus, I don't think he's going to fit well in Winnipeg either. Like, yeah, they have more center depth now, but I don't really see Dubois being a Paul Maurice guy. I just, I can't look into it and say either team won this trade because I don't necessarily think that either or is going to work out well in their respective cities now. I agree with you. Yeah, I'm with you too. Absolutely. I think, you know, I don't think Tortorella is going to put up with any of Line A's crap. And that's a good thing because I, I like that. I was a big proponent of trying to bring Tortorella to Philadelphia once they fired Hackstall. I'll eat my crow. I'm enjoying Vino. Um, but, you know, Luke Dubois, I think obviously has a much better chance at working out in Winnipeg. 
but it's a matter of whether they're going to want to stay there once their contracts are up. Because Luke Dubois' deal is for two years. I think right. Lyonnais is just is that, this year, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Lyonnais is going to play somewhere else. I'll, I'll all but guarantee that. Nobody stays in Columbus. Nobody stays in Columbus. I, I mean, everybody wants out. I don't know what's the matter with that organization, but it's like even the players that it seems to be a good fit for, they want out. They can't seem to hold on to any big name. So there's I only, don't know. There's two ways to save that franchise, and you, you, you have to do both. You can't just do one or the other. You have to do both. You either got – not either. You have to get rid of John Tortorella, and you have to relocate. Because nobody wants to play in Columbus. Nobody wants to live in Columbus. Like some of my friends are from Ohio. They don't even know why they have an NHL team in Columbus. It makes no sense. Like of all the cities, why have one there? So I think if, you know, if the NHL wants to save that franchise as a whole and at least make them entertaining to watch outside of John Torrella press conferences, you got to relocate and you got to get rid of John Torrella if you actually want to watch good entertaining hockey as a whole. Oof. Well, if we have any listeners in Columbus, Ohio, I just want to let you know that I think Nat's a jerk and I love you dearly. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, uh, Nat's opinions do not reflect those of the Pottery Bullies as a whole. That is our disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> hey, I got it from people who lived in Ohio. so Went straight to the source. Check, those are my sources. Yeah, check I got your sources. from the horse's mouth. I did. I'll check. Uh, now you're you calling to, people that live in Columbus a horse. Do you want wow. me? <laughs> do you want Unbelievable. Me, do you want me to call my guy. Ohio horse friends? Is that it? Your Ohio Ooh. horse friends. <laughs> are you Are you telling me that everybody in Columbus, Ohio has the same opinion, Nat? That seems very narrow of you. It's not what I'm saying That's at generalizing. all. generalizing. the ones that I've spoken to. The ones that I've spoken to. Okay? Uh, Nat is the voice of Columbus hockey now. I think he we need to move on. God, I hope fans. not. I think we need to move on, buddy. <laughs> we need to get out of here before somebody gets really <laughs> upset. Um, looking ahead right now, uh, back to Flyers-centric news and discussion here. This coming up week, we have New Jersey on Tuesday and Thursday. We have the Islanders next weekend for a back-to-back. Mm. After that, we've got Boston again, and then we've got Washington. The schedule's not going to get any easier, guys. The one plus that we can take from this is that on the 26th, which would be Tuesday, the first game of the two-game set against New Jersey, Morgan Frost is eligible to come off IR. He might be available to play. We don't know for sure yet. So, realistically, how do you see the Flyers doing over the next two weeks against these teams between the Devils, the Islanders, the Bruins, and the Caps? Can I be honest with you, man? I find this exercise to be incredibly hard with this team right now. If we keep playing the way that we are playing right now, we'll maybe squeak out a win against New Jersey, lose both against the Islanders, and just keep losing. But I'd like to think that we're going to turn things around and we're not going to continue to be this bad. So, yeah, it, it's really hard for me to do, buddy, because if we just keep playing the way we're playing, we're going to lose a lot more games than we're going to win. That's a cop-out, so I'm going to go to Nat. What do you think, pal? <laughs> Yo, if I, Nat gets any more specific, he's just doing it to appease you because there's no way you could get specific with this. Look, we all need to pander every now and then. This is your <laughs> chance to curry favor with me, so let me hear it. <laughs> Jersey, uh, it's weird because they don't—they typically don't play as well against Jersey 
as they should. So I'm thinking at least one clunker against Jersey, and if not a clunker, they're going to lose. Boston, uh, I think they get. I think they finally win one and then lose one. The Islanders, the Islanders have just had their number lately. I don't care if the Islanders are a quote unquote worst team now. I mean, they, they've just had the Flyers number lately. So I think they lose both of the Islanders, and then the Capitals. They tend to play unlike the Devils. They tend to play better against the Caps than they should. So I predict at least one win from the Capitals. So maybe 50-50, like get some more points in the standings, but they don't make any significant progress in the leaderboard. Just kind of treading water. I I expect the same. I think you're going to see them. I could see them taking the first game against New Jersey and dropping the second. Um, I don't see either of those win or loss in any type of convincing fashion. Uh, The Islanders, though, I expect at least one game where the Flyers are going to get trounced. Um, Not looking forward to those games. You know, we saw those in the playoffs, and I just was not encouraged by anything that the Flyers did. Derek, are they going to get trounced or trounced? (laughs) They're going to get both. (laughs) Get it? Why did I even feed into that? Speaking of which, who can forget uh, Lavi? For yeah. the Capitals that he's going to face off against his old team mm-hmm. in the in his old division. Yeah, and he's going to get a video montage with no fans clapping for him in the stands. So whatever. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Boston, I see more of the same. I could see him dropping both, and then Washington, I expect them to at least take one of those games. I think they do. Like Nat was saying, they play very well against the Caps. A uh, little bit of extra motivation for the guys that used to be there when Laviolette was coached. So you want to stick it to your old bench boss there. You know, hopefully they can. But uh, much to John's point, though, it is difficult considering how the Flyers have been playing right now. You know, if you get Frost back, does that add enough to really kind of get them that little extra pep in their step? Uh, Myers is still going to be out. You know, you're not going to be able to count on him coming back. What's the situation going to look like on defense? Is Gostas Bear going to be healthy? Are they going to try Morin back at defense again? Press him into duty there? I just there's so many things that I just don't know, and I, it, it's very difficult to predict. Yep. Yeah. Now we've reached the point in the show where one of us, and this week it's Nat, gets to pop off. Nat, you're lucky we're doing this for a second week in a row. I feel like yeah, you had your opportunity man, last week. Yeah, man, I can't week, believe this. We're, you had like a freaking soliloquy last week. I know. You know what, though? It, it wasn't <laughs> technically the official Pod Street pop-off, so we're going to give Nat a second week in a row of popping off. <sighs> Next week, I expect a lot to be able to pop off since it's my turn, not your turn, John. It is my turn. I wish I got that pop-off twice in a Two weeks in a row. That'd well, be actually. You know right? what? You know what? Let's. I have an idea. You know, Uh-oh. this will create a little. Put me on the spot here a little bit, even more so. Uh, Possibly pop off lightning round. Ooh, I like that. I really like that. How are we gonna make this work? I have my list for Nat. If you guys could come up with ones on the spot for each other, I say we make it work. But how many? If, we. If it, it, Let's let's just. I mean, I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got seven for Nat. I can trim it because some of them are a little bit dated because this list is from last week as well. Uh, well, if we're gonna all have an opportunity to pop off, that means that we should probably be doing two. Okay. Or keep well, it two I'm minutes pick, each. 
Well, why don't we do this? I got an idea. All of us think of one thing to pop off for the other person. So I think of one thing for Nat. I think of one thing for Derek. Derek, you think of one thing for me, one thing for Nat. Sound good? Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. If we'd like, we'll start with Nat, since this is technically his week. Still debatable, but regardless. We'll start with Nat. John, would you like to go first, or would you like me to kick things off here? I would like you to kick things off here. I'm going to kick things off here. My one thing for you, Nat, is armchair general managers. Armchair general managers? (laughs) Look, there are reasons why NHL GMs and coaches are NHL GMs and coaches. No... You are not an NHL GM or coach, and no, you cannot do a better job than insert any NHL coach or GM here, because as I said earlier, this isn't a video game, this is the NHL. Whatever you do on your Xbox or PlayStation and whatever EA NHL game you're playing isn't always going to work in the actual NHL, so stop it. You guys are ridiculous sometimes. No, you're not smarter than insert any NHL GM or coach you want. Also, some of you are like 20, so you... you come on. Um, All right. Oh, now I got to give him one? Yep, you're up. Oh, jeez. I, see, I wasn't prepared for this at all. Um, <laughs> do, do, do. Would, you, would you like me to cover you? No. Nope. Nope, okay. I would not. I'm trying to think of something very random. Um, crap. Give me something. Okay, I got one for you, Nat. Yes. Coaches having to wear masks on the bench with players that don't have to wear masks on the bench. It's a bit of a confusing rule. Um, like, I get you want to employ some kind of protocol and you want to keep players safe and people safe as a whole, but it just... The rule just doesn't make any sense. So... At least, especially in hockey, it makes no sense because everyone's huddled up together. At least in basketball, you can spread people out. So in basketball, it makes sense. But in hockey, it it makes no sense because you're all on top of each other to begin with. So, yeah, overall, kind of dumb. But I understand why they're trying to (laughs) to implement some kind of protocol there. I like it. Derek, I've got one for you, and I don't want to forget it. So can I give it to you? Give it to me. Crybaby Carter Hart. Crybaby Carter Hart. Dude, <laughs> this is the, the tweet that I came around to on Twitter earlier this afternoon uh, from a Devils fan. You know, I, I think I can actually pull it up here real quick. I'm on Twitter. This guy says... He's an insider, the by the way. Yeah, de- de- yeah uh, not... I, I should... It's it Devils Insider. These guys <laughs> suck. Um, Carter Hart is the biggest crybaby on the planet. Keep telling me how much better he is than Blackwood, though. I could tell you how much better he is than Blackwood till the cows come home. Uh, you know, where do you want me to start? But um, this also, most importantly, comes from a guy who seems to favor the team that used to employ Martin Brodeur. So, um, you know, hey, that's fine. You want to call Carter Hart a crybaby? I'm just going to sit here and, you know, have a beer. And I'm just going to laugh because, dude, pot calling the kettle black? Eh, Come on, pal. Like, know the room. You know, read it a little bit if you can. Um, It's just ridiculous. How many times you watch a guy like Martin Brodeur run to the ref asking for a call? Like, I'm sure 
he really pissed and moaned when Sean Avery was in front of him waving his stick. Other goalies, I would just laugh. I think that's hilarious. But Jesus Christ, pal. Like, come on. I'd delete that tweet faster than Lord knows. All right, Nat, give what you have for Derek. All right, Derek. Raiders Frank's tweets. Dude, I was encouraged that he was actually pretty positive, but it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, no, I've, I've had some very nice interactions with Frank. I do like Frank a lot, but man, I'll tell you what, dude, I understand being realistic, but it wears on you when it's just constant, <laughs> like ground and pound on the tweets that I send out. I'm like, dude, give it a rest, man. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't need to, you know, look at things the way you look at things. I think that's something that's been lost over the past X amount of years that, you know, People just don't accept the fact that there's other viewpoints out there that oppose yours. And just because it's different, it's not right or wrong. It just is what it is. Like, again, I like Frank. I think he's a decent guy. But, dude, not everybody needs to think the way you think, pal. You know, I I look forward to more interactions, but that's that on Frank. John, are you ready to pop off? Okay. Always. I'm going to go first real quick. Lack of updates on injuries. Lack of updates on injuries. Oh, yeah. So, what was this? The Morgan Frost and Phil Myers? Where we were just waiting for, I feel like, days. I mean, it wasn't. It was, what, a day and a half. But it's just insane how they kind of keep things in waiting. And, I, I mean, I guess if you're really trying to figure it out, then fine. I get it. But at the same time, it just was puzzling to me that it took so long when your professional sports franchise and you would imagine they'd be able to diagnose something a little bit quicker um so it's a weird one i mean if it was really taking them that long to figure it out fine but why not just get the news out when you know it yeah that's all i got for that yeah all right nat feed him all right john eric Stahl's hair dude's got some flow man I saw him on the bench of Buffalo, the Buffalo Sabres game, and I thought I really thought it was Prince Charming from those Shrek movies. I don't know how anybody gets their hair like that. There's a reason why I buzz my head, because for the longest time I tried to make my hair look like stylish, and it was just like flat blackness all the time. If I could get that like wavy look, man, whew, I'd be like running on the beach all the time. And you see the beer gut flubbing around, too. Hey, <laughs> I have a Peloton. I don't have a beer gut. I have, like, a, a beer pouch. Mm-hmm. There's it's like a, a half-filled fanny pack. Too. <laughs> 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 okay. Oh, man. That's it for the Pod Street Lightning Round. Uh, Nat, awesome idea. I enjoyed that. But we're back to normal next week with the regularly scheduled... Pottery pop off. But I want my turn. Until then. Get over it. Shut up. Um, anyways, John, don't shut up real quick and let everybody know where they can find us. Uh, yeah, so you can find us on all your various podcasting listening recept podcast listening receptacles. Holy moly. Get it out, pal. Today. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, I never remember which one. Anchor, um, Radio Public, over the top podcasts. <laughs> That's a thing. Now we're just making stuff nope, up. No, <laughs> I'm making it up. I don't know. And there was. <laughs> I wanted to overcast. overcast. Is what I was looking for. There you go. For. 
but over the top podcast. Like this is something I should be taking over. No, it's it's better that I do it, man. It's better that let's I do it. Let's write you a list. Let, it, let's get you a, it provides a list flavor, right now. Flavor. But yeah, I mean, Google us. You'll find flavor. us somewhere. I, I guarantee it. It's mundane. You're going to like the way you look. <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> I already like the way I look. Nat, tell them where they can find you. Uh, well, you can't find me at Men's Warehouse, unfortunately. Uh, but you can find me <laughs> at Nat underscore Marlowe on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm the producer of Pottery Bullies, obviously, the Sixers Podcast, Full Core Press, and as well as uh, the radio station, 97.5 The Fanatic, where you can listen in to me cutting highlights for your own Philadelphia Flyers. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter at Pod Street Bob. You can find John on Twitter at Pod Street Gove. You can find the Pod Street Bullies on Twitter at Pod ST Bullies and at podstbullies.com. Check out all of our written work. We've got a few new guys joining the fold as well. Check those guys out. We'll be announcing that shortly. Also, happy Nugget Nectar season, folks. My favorite kind of beer. And without further ado, I'll leave you as I've always left you, or unless John wants to interject here. No, just... I heard that gas. Will you please hurry up? <laughs> I'm talking fast, pal. Relax. I know what you're now saying. You're oh, just... and by the way, I wanted to bring this up. Oh, wait, by the way, hey, it's kind of sunny out. Oh, and by the way, it might snow on Tuesday. Oh, and by the way... From the guy who's like, let's get sidetracked for about 10 minutes here. Anyways, <laughs> I'll leave you as I've always left you with a Let's Go Flyers and a new one. Suck it, John. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs>